You may think that NASA controls space and the Federal Aviation Administration controls the part in between there and Earth. Well, it turns out that is not the case. The FAA actually plays a big role in U.S. space activities, and it's looking to have an even bigger one, as it has now entered into a memorandum of understanding with NASA in order to help support commercial space activities, specifically related to the transport of passengers, cargo, and payloads for orbital and suborbital missions. We had to learn more, so we spoke with both agencies. Wayne Monteith is the FAA's Associate Administrator for commercial space transportation, and Mike Gold, who you'll hear from first, was at the time NASA's Associate Administrator for Space Policy and Partnerships. The MOU really just builds upon a strong existing relationship between NASA and the FAA. Uh, as you can see, the FAA is already on Mars, so they're a step ahead there <laughs> as Wayne uh, honors the great success of the Perseverance mission. So we'd already been coordinating, but as we enter this dynamic new era of public-private partnerships and commercial space, it's more important than ever to recognize the synergies and build upon the already close relationship between the FAA and NASA to ensure that we can work together to support commercial space so that it's a tremendous success, not only to meet NASA's scientific needs, but to create a new era, again, new commercial activities, new jobs, new private sector innovations. So we're very excited to be continuing to work with the FAA as we enter this brave new world. Wayne, I could tell uh, from the pre-interview talk uh, that uh, you and Mike seem to have a bit of a history. Um, how's it feel to uh, be working again with uh, NASA in something like this? Uh, you know, it, it to me, it just seems natural, you know, particularly given my, my last job in the Air Force uh, down at Cape Canaveral and the incredibly close relationship we had with Kennedy Space Center. Uh, and I, I had uh, a number of opportunities uh, to uh, sit down with the previous administrator, Jim Bridenstine, even before while he was still Congressman Bridenstine, and really talk about the, the future of space space and particularly the future of commercial space. And Mike's absolutely right. This is an incredibly exciting time, which makes uh, our partnership uh, between the FAA and NASA uh, even more important than it's ever been. So, and it's it's always good to uh, spend time with Mike. Uh, he is just a, uh, a tremendous advocate uh, for this industry. And, uh, you know, I can't think of a, a better individual to be where he's sitting right now to help this industry move forward. So what kind of specific collaborations are we going to see? Are you are both agencies going to be working together on different regulations or, you know, just making sure that you're not working against one another and you're all kind of on the same page sort of thing? Uh, we can start with you this time, Wayne. Uh, well, well, first off, Mike, uh, NASA doesn't regulate. Uh, we do. So it, but. Uh, we rely on their close partnership uh, as we promulgate new regulations, just like we do the Department of Defense. But it's critical for us to have that close partnership with NASA as we move into a, a more expansive commercial human space flight. Uh, as you know, last year we licensed our first NASA crewed mission. Uh, we've done a second one since then. Uh, and it is uh, really the, the the future of where we're going. And so not just with, with NASA, but, but NASA's uh, leveraging of commercial uh, human spaceflight opportunities as well. And so this partnership that we have will lay the foundation for our future, both of our future going over, and not just on the NASA side, but all the, the entire 
commercial human spaceflight industry. Mike, what does uh, NASA hope to get out of this uh, MOU? Nothing short of an amazing future full of awe and wonder. And <laughs> if I can return the compliment to Wayne, you know, Wayne, of course, you know, has a great deal of experience also on the national security end. And space is so intermingled now, and we need to look at so many different issues to be able to bring together the commercial view that Wayne has advocated for at the FAA and his government experience, national security experience. It's so important that we treat space holistically. And again, no one better than Wayne Monteith to do that. And it's been so important to have experienced leadership that can look at space so broadly. And that's what we hope to do, to encourage, facilitate, and act as a catalyst for these next generation activities to encourage commercial space, both to meet NASA's needs so that we can leverage the innovation and the efficiency of commercial space activities, as well as to create new technologies, new jobs that can enhance our understanding of the climate, bring new treatments to disease that we develop in microgravity. And we haven't even discussed suborbital operations as well. As you know, one of the A's in NASA is for aeronautics, and we're getting very close to the first commercial suborbital tourism launches. And far from only conducting tourism, there's going to be science payloads. For the first time, NASA has an actual researcher that will attend a what we term a crew-tended payload. So we'll be doing science on these commercial operations. It'll teach us a great deal about the Earth and move our understanding forward in a variety of scientific endeavors. So we're looking forward to working with Wayne and the FAA. As he says, we don't regulate, but we support Support their activities, provide information. And we can make sure that we all do better when we're working together. Stepping back a little bit, you know, the industry, it's no recent news or anything that it's been you know, taking off, pun intended. How did this uh, come together? And, and I guess, you know, how was the need for this sort of collaboration recognized? Whichever one of you wants to take that one first. Happy to jump in and start that. Again, this is an existing relationship. As we've seen commercial space activities accelerate, where now you have private sector companies not only delivering cargo to the International Space Station, but crew, all of these new demands require that we work more closely together. And just in the same way we're exploring space, it's a little less exciting, but we're exploring new regulatory regimes as well and pushing the frontier of how we can make government more efficient, because if there's one thing that the private sector doesn't like, it's uncertainty. And thanks to Wayne and his group, they're providing innovative regulations that help move the field forward so that NASA can take advantage of the terrific science and activities that will occur. And I also think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about point-to-point -point travel and what that could mean, where you could have a whole revolution in aviation where these suborbital flights they launch like uh, an airplane and then go into space and, and come back down. We could have times of, and again, I, I'm uh, probably exaggerating here, and don't quote me, but an hour you know, from D.C. to Tokyo, we could substantially reduce the amount of time that travel requires, creating a whole new industry. And we're so proud and excited to partner with the FAA to enable new discoveries in technology, science, and industrial capacity. Yeah, Mike's absolutely right. You know, this is this is is about efficiency, but it's about good governance as well, and preparing for the future rather than have the you know, rather than reacting to the future. 
uh, as Mike has, has stated, and, and I have as well, this is this is uh, this new uh, uh, memorandum of understanding is built on a long history of our organizations working together. But what sets this one apart, as much as anything, is it's now agency to agency. You know, before we had organization to organization, like from mine to Mike's, but we've recognized that it's far bigger than that. And it is it does bring the aeronautics part into it. Uh, it does bring the human spaceflight part into it, which you'll notice from the, the MOU, it actually discusses uh, the chief medical officers working together to figure out you know, how we do uh, uh, commercial human spaceflight safely. NASA knows how to do it with professional astronauts, and they do it better than anyone in the world. But that's a little bit different than having a soccer mom or a soccer dad go up, which should be the you know foundation to, to keep those folks safe and healthy as we move forward. And Mike's right, we are, we are not far, uh, in, and certainly not in geologic terms, but we are not far from point to point travel. Uh, when, when we have an, uh, an industry member that, that closes a business case uh, on suborbital travel, that's the next logical step uh, is to, to go point to point. And so we're trying to set up a regulatory construct that also fosters that opportunity for the future to enable U.S. industry to succeed and continue to lead. So, Wayne, when some of those industry counterparts uh, talked to you, what were some of those uncertainties um, that they were discussing in exploring suborbital travel, uh, you know, as far as uh, from regulatory guidance and things that they were allowed and, you know, maybe not, they weren't not allowed to do it, but it just there was no code for it. <laughs> Well, so, you know, I, I, as Mike mentioned, you know, uh, uh, the industry investors, they they desire certainty uh, and industry rightfully uh, wanted us to take baby steps uh, as we march to a, a regulatory framework for commercial human spaceflight. So as you as you probably know, we were authorized to regulate that part of the industry. However, we immediately went into a learning period or what we refer to as a moratorium, which currently is scheduled to expire in 2023. So it, the essence is we don't uh, regulate the safety of the passengers on board or the spaceflight participants on board. We used an we use an informed consent regime will validate that the vehicle will operate safely in the environment it's supposed to operate in. Uh, but then it's it's up to the individual to understand, and the companies will explain this to them, that this is an inherently dangerous operation. So it's not like aviation yet. But there's going to come a time, you know, maybe it's 2023, when we are going to be required to regulate the safety of the individuals on board and not just the, the safety of the individuals who are watching the launch. Mike, how can government, um, I don't want to, you know, use the word encouragement, but creating an environment where um, innovation is, you know, top of the line as it probably always should be in the space industry, how can agencies such as NASA help for creating creating that environment and um, ensuring that companies are able to, you know, kind of test the waters a little bit, but also, you know, make sure that things kind of stay in line? I think government has an extraordinarily important role, and it begins with government as catalyst and government as customer, that we can leverage our power of the purse to encourage new innovative capabilities 
the COTS CRS program, these were NASA initiatives where we were purchasing commercial services. That's where SpaceX came from and many of the other innovative systems that we've seen with Northrop Grumman via our cargo transportation systems. And by leveraging our purchasing power, we can create innovation and act as a catalyst for new advances that create jobs, uh, result in technologies that are cleaner for the environment. I, I know just thinking about aviation, hydrogen fueled systems that are, are green fuels, etc. So we've got a very important role to play there. And then as customer, that we purchase the services from these innovative companies and technologies that we can act as a catalyst for. Beyond that, I think the government has a very important role in preserving the orbital environment. So I know that many of your listeners can't see us, but let me assure you, Wayne and I are very young. But when we were younger, <laughs> there was a time when it was one rocket and one satellite launch. Now, recently, and, and Wayne, tell me if I get this right, but there was a SpaceX launch that had over 140 satellites mm -hmm. in a single launch. And we're dealing with an orbital regime that is more congested than ever. And we really at NASA depend upon Wayne and the FAA to conduct launch licenses and payload review requests to ensure that we have safety in the orbital environment and avoid conjunctions. NASA just issued a terrific book that I highly recommend to everyone. It's our uh, Collision Avoidance and Conjunction Assessment Best Practices Handbook that private sector companies can look at to try and ensure that we maintain the safety of the orbital environment so that we have sustainable space operations for generations to come. Yeah, speaking recently to uh, Mandy Vaughn, president of Vox Space, she had even mentioned, you know, oh, I forgot that there was a launch today. And when somebody that in, in touch with the actual industry forgets there's a launch, you know, that means that a lot is going on. So, Wayne, can the FAA keep up? You know, are they going to be able to maintain? Uh, are you all going to be able to maintain a, a an environment where, um, you know, everything that's in the air and in the suborbital environment is known to you? Uh, as long as I'm here, we will. Uh, you know, it is, as a regulator, my prime directive is safety. Uh, but in that role, I can either be an accelerator or an inhibitor. And so I don't want to inhibit this industry. Uh, so as an accelerator, we're doing everything we can to lean forward and prepare for this. Uh, we have reorganized my office. We are reprocess engineering, uh, becoming more efficient, more effective, more agile. Uh, and next month, we should be publishing our, or should be uh, our new streamlined launch and reentry regulations uh, should become effective. And it gets to exactly what, what Mike was talking about with innovation. It moves us from a prescriptive approach where we tell you how to do things to a, a performance base where you tell us how you're going to solve the safety requirements, uh, which really opens up the aperture for innovation, new ideas and for increases in cadence, because this new regulation will also allow a single license for multiple launches from multiple sites. So if it's within a family of vehicles, you could launch or, uh, essentially as often as you like over a five-year period over a, or under a single license. So it really starts facilitating that. And we're also robusting our capability to make sure that, that we don't have collisions as you're trying to get to orbit. You know, as, as Mike said, 
you know, with all these new satellites that are going up, uh, with these super constellations that are going into low Earth orbit, it at some point it becomes like trying to get through a screen door. You don't want to hit the wires. Uh, or if, if you're as young as Mike and I, and you remember the game Frogger, uh, you want to be able to safely make it across the street uh, without getting hit by something. That's exactly what we do. And, and it's critical that we get it right, not only for the, the property that's that's on orbit, on U.S. and, and uh, international payloads, but quite frankly, the thing I worry most about is keeping the ISS and human spaceflight safe up there and making sure that none of these objects that are launching into space cause a problem. And if I can just add, it's vital that America lead, not just in technology, but in regulations. And I want to applaud Wayne and his team, and Wayne in particular for his leadership. He's been an architect of this new era and has made my day with a Frogger reference. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that, that one that one precedes me just a little bit, but not too much. I, I'm a Seinfeld fan. So uh, Mike, has, uh, <laughs> Mike, has NASA made any of those changes with a nod towards advancing the industry, as Wayne just mentioned, uh, that are similar to FAA's? So we have done everything possible to accelerate public-private partnerships for, again, us to be a catalyst and customer for those capabilities. Wherever we can leverage the private sector innovation and efficiency, we have been doing so. It began with launching cargo to the International Space Station, now extends to launching crew, and we're even going to the moon with the public-private partnership paradigm that we're leveraging commercial suppliers to bring cargo to the gateway, which will be an orbital outpost around the moon in support of the Artemis program, which will land the first woman and the next men on the moon. And the very system that brings those brave pioneers to the lunar surface will be built via commercial partnership, the human landing system. So we're leveraging the private sector capabilities wherever possible so that NASA can do what it does best, which is to push forward the frontier of knowledge and science. Wrapping up, uh, and to say that you both are excited about the future of this industry would be an understatement. Uh, I'd like to give you the opportunity to kind of tell us, you know, and this is kind of a common question that I've been asking all my guests of what are they most excited about for the future and what's coming next? Wayne, why don't we start with you? Uh, I'll be honest with you. It is it is commercial human spaceflight. It's, it's getting to where, uh, you know, if I've invested correctly, that folks like me can actually go to space and, and I don't just have to watch it on television or live, uh, live that experience through some of my, my uh, good friends who are, who are former astronauts, but it gives us that opportunity to do it. I would also tell you that what's really exciting is this is a second renaissance of space. Just a decade ago, the FAA licensed a single commercial launch in all of 2011, one launch in the entire year. In 2021, we are expecting over 50 FAA licensed launches. That's an average of a, a launch every single week of the year. And I can tell you, as a, as a little boy at heart, uh, if you can't drive a, a truck for a living, launching rockets is really the next best thing. Mike? I have to have a bit of a cop out and say the space industry that the government has done a tremendous job of blazing the trail and opening up the frontier of space. But now comes the truly exciting part where the entrepreneurs step forward and develop 
new technologies and new industries, new drugs that can cure diseases in Earth can be developed in microgravity. There's even a company growing retinas, new substances that can be created. There's a whole new world of scientific and commercial endeavor that can come from space exploration and development to say nothing of the remote sensing revolution that I still believe is at the very beginning that's going to transform everything from agriculture to our understanding of the planet and climate science. We talk about climate change without NASA and the capabilities. We might not know about that at all, or at least certainly wouldn't have the level of sophistication. And as Wayne mentions, these constellation of satellites that can deliver internet to locations that couldn't get connected to the net, that could transform lives, particularly in some poor nations that don't have the infrastructure that we enjoy here. It can be transformative, uplift the entire world, and we can go to space to make life so much better for all of us here on Earth. Uh, you know, Eric, one thing I would like to touch on is, you know, we talked about the, the uh, challenge of getting into space, uh, but there's also a significant challenge getting to space uh, and balancing all that through the National Aerospace System. Uh, and our air traffic organization is all in on, on moving how we currently do that and how we manage uh, space transportation and the aviation industry and how we do it safely. And, and we're moving from where we uh, segregate huge swaths of airspace and, and have to divert air traffic around to a truly integrated model. And there really is no better organization on the planet than, than our air traffic folks at making this work. So much so that we already have some of our international partners working with us to figure out how we do this more seamlessly so that all of these industries uh, can be successful uh, and be safe. And I would add, as opposed to Wayne and I, to your actual young listeners, a plea, help us study STEM, look at mathematics, enter the sciences, find a way to contribute to transforming this dream of space exploration and utilization into reality. We need more engineers, more scientists, and we need more diversity. That the only way that we're going to increase the pool of engineering, math, science, and scientific students is if we all come together. And that means more women, more minorities, more rural communities. I grew up on a Native American reservation. We need to reach out to places like that where we can engage all of American society to support STEM, to study STEM, and contribute to transforming the dream of space exploration into a reality. Well said. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher and did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. 
Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.